So we thank God today. Grab your Bibles. We're going to the book of Joel on today. The third chapter, the 14th verse. Amen. Hallelujah. God is good. Amen. Joel 3, 14 on today. Amen. If you don't have it, it will be on the screen. Amen. Glory to God. The word of God reads in Joel 3, 14. It says, multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. For the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decisions. I like the first point. It says, multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for just waking us and bringing us to this place at this appointed time. You knew in eternity where we would be today. And we thank you for that this morning. Thank you that we rose this morning and made a decision to come to the house of God. God, that we could hear your word, that we could be strengthened and empowered. For it is the entrance of your word that giveth light. And Father, we need your word in a dark world to illuminate our path, to illuminate our lives, to help us be that light set on a hill that cannot be hid, but that men may see our good works and glorify our Father which is in heaven. So we thank you today. Feed us fresh manna from on high. God, we are sitting at your table ready to feast. So God, I pray that David may decrease, that you may increase. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O oh Lord, my strength and my redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord this morning. Amen. Thank God. Amen. On Wednesday night, we begin our new series entitled Decisions. And the truth of the matter is, is that all of us are born into a life of decisions. There's no way to escape it. There's no way to evade the fact that in life, we're going to have to make decisions. <laughs> Yeah, and anybody has made some bad decisions? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you don't put up one hand, you ought to put up two. Uh, because the truth of the matter is, is that all of us have made some bad decisions. Decisions that looking back on them, often we have regretted. We've regretted some decisions. I told the Wednesday night, uh, those that were here Wednesday night, about a story of a young man who was, who was taking a position as a, a bank clerk, and he was being promoted as vice president. And one of the things that he did was he asked the exiting vice president, you know, what would be his success in that position? And the vice, the, the gentleman that was exiting, said, making decisions, making decisions. Uh, and then he, he actually asked him, you know, or he said making the right decisions. And then he asked him, you know, well, what else? And then he talked about the fact of experience, experience. So he says making the right decisions and experiences. And then he asked him, what is the secret 
when it comes to experiences, and then he said making wrong decisions. Because truth of the matter is, is that when we make wrong decisions, we ought to learn something from them. Uh, because as life goes on, we don't want to continue to make the wrong decisions. We want to find ourselves making right decisions because right decisions help to position us to where God desires us to be. And I don't know about you, but I, I, I want to make right decisions. Anybody want to make right decisions? Yeah, right decisions. I, I, I've made some wrong ones in my life, and I just don't have time to go back and correct things. So I, I, I want to make the right decisions. So can I tell you that God wants you to make the right decisions as well? God does not want you to be destroyed. He does not want you to error. He does not want you to lose uh, in life. And neither does he want you to suffer needlessly. So he desires uh, for us to make the, the right decisions, right decisions which lead to a better life, right decisions which help us keep us on the path that God has planned for our lives. Because that's what right decisions do. They help us to stay on the path. They help us to stay on the plan, the course that God has for our lives. But every now and then we make wrong decisions and every now and then we, we detour and every now and then we have to find ourselves pulling back and getting back on the right path. It is estimated that, about, that adults make 35,000 decisions a day. 35,000. So they talked about the fact that if a person slept seven hours and, and they stayed woke the remainder, that they would make approximately 2,000 decisions an hour. That's pretty much one decision every two seconds. And think about it. Since you woke up this morning, you've made some decisions. <laughs> you've made some decisions. You, you, you made a decision to get out of the bed. Praise God. <laughs> you made a decision whether you were going to eat or what you were going to eat. You made a decision what you were going to drink, whether you were going to drink coffee or orange juice, or whether you were going to put a little cream in or a lot of cream in, whether you were going to have uh, poached eggs or scrambled eggs. You made a decision, and these decisions may be little, but how many know we also make major decisions? Yeah, major decisions. Where, where to live or, you know, who to date or who to marry or where we're going to work or whether we're going to have kids or not and how many kids you're going to have or, or, importantly, where you're going to attend church. These are major decisions. Then there are those decisions that can be life-changing and even life-ending. Whether or not you're going to stop at the red light. Hmm. Yeah, whether or not you're going to take that drink to wash away your worries. Whether or not you're going to make that late night call. Or whether you're going to go on to sleep. Yeah, somebody will catch that in a minute. Yeah, we all know people who have made their decisions made their life uh, very difficult because of the decisions that they made. 
They have to suffer with those decisions. And Wednesday night, we kind of looked at Adam and Eve in the book of Genesis and how their decision impacted or continues to impact the lives of people. Because in the book of Genesis, uh, we said that Adam was given a command. He was given a command not to eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And, and God had told him that the day that he eat of the tree, he shall surely die. Yeah. And what did they do? The Bible tells us that they went on in their own and they ate of the tree. They ate of it, and because they ate of it, understand, we are having to deal with some situations and circumstances because they fail to obey God. Yeah, the serpent deceived them. Yeah, he didn't make them do it because, understand, he can't make us do anything. Yeah. Matter of fact, I mean, if God doesn't make us do anything, understand, the devil can't make us do anything. Yeah, the only thing that he can do is plant a seed. His goal is to cause us to make wrong decisions to sabotage the life and the plan and the purpose that God has for us. Yeah. yeah. I mean, God has given us a free will. <laughs> yeah, which means that what we do, we decide to do. Yeah, we decide to do. We, we can't say like Flip Wilson, the devil made me do it. Yeah, and Wednesday night, we, we said some important things. The first thing we said Wednesday night is that how you make decisions determine the course of your life. It determines the course of your life. We said decisions are like a steering wheel. They, they turn you and they guide you into the path and the course by which you live. Yeah, they, they help us determine the direction that we go in. They also help to determine the quality of that life. Yeah, the quality of life. Some people get mad at other people because they're living a, a certain way, but the truth of the matter is that if they'd have made the same right decisions, that maybe they could have been living that way. Yeah, yeah. We can't get upset with people because they make the right decisions and we make the wrong. Mm. See, the better decision we make, the better the life will be. Not only that, but the better decision that we make, the less regrets we will have. Yeah, the less regrets we would have. We also said that how you make decisions impact the lives of others. Yeah, see, decisions, right or wrong, don't only impact you. And I don't think many times we truly understand the magnitude of that, that when we make that decision, when we step into that decision that we made, somebody is going to be impacted. Yeah, somebody is going to be impacted, some child, some husband, some wife, uh, uh, some neighbor, some friend, some family member is going to be impacted. Right now, if I go out and do the wrong thing, understand my family is going to be impacted. This church is going to be impacted. So it behooves us that when we sit down to make decisions, yeah, we'll deal with this next week, that we have to play things forward. Yeah, how is it going to look? Who is it going to impact? What is going to be the result? What will I be known by? Will I be known by making the right decision or the wrong decision? Yeah. See, when the serpent came to Eve, he wasn't just after her. 
<laughs> no, he wasn't just after her. No, no, he, he was after Adam. He was after their children, their grandchildren, and their great-grandchildren. And he's after the same thing today. Yeah, he's after the house. Yeah, not just one individual, but he's after the house. He understands if I can get in the house, if I can get in the family, if I can get in the family line, understand there are going to be some consequences. If I can just get in. All, all, all I need is a crack. <laughs> yeah, all I need is a crack. All I need is a wrong decision. All I need to do is somebody to make the wrong decision which opens the door because that's what Adam and Eve did. They made the wrong decision and it opened a door. Yeah, it opened a door. It opened a door that impacted us today. Yeah. And it impacted their, their life as well because it introduced something into their family so much so that the Bible tells us that Cain killed Abel. It introduced something that, that caused him to feel some kind of way against his own bloodline. Hmm. Yeah, I, I, I could really work that because that's what the enemy is after. He's after the bloodline. Yeah, he, he, he doesn't want the bloodline to get along. He doesn't want the bloodline to prosper. He, he understands that if I can get in the bloodline, if I can cause some animosity, if I can cause some strife, if I, if I can cause something, uh, a, a rippling effect down the line, understand, then, then I can raise havoc in that line. Yeah. And see, when we make decisions, we... Uh, say to, to, to start taking drugs or drinking alcohol or uh, involved in adulterous relationships or sleeping around with, with, it, with everybody, making bad financial decisions, that stuff follows us. Yeah, don't just stop with you. And I think that's many times where we fail. We, 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 we're more stuck on, on, on how we are going to feel now instead of the, the ultimate replications, the replications that are going to come down the line. Yeah, matter of fact, some of us probably in here are dealing or have dealt with some things that maybe your parents introduced. Maybe your grandparents or great-grandparents introduced. I know when I, I think about my, my family tree, I think about uh, drug addiction. I think about alcoholism. I think about all these things that have been entered into my family line. And see, one, one thing about it is that when we overcome, understand the spirit is still lurking. And it's looking. Yeah, for a way back in. <laughs> yeah. So then we, said, then we said that there are consequences to every decision. Trying to get you to where we're going today. There are consequences to every decision. It was P.K. Uh, Subban that said, life is a chess match. Every decision that you make has a consequence to it. Every decision. Every decision. And I think that that's what the enemy doesn't want us to realize is that somewhere down the line, every decision that we make, there is going to be a consequence behind it, whether we experience it now or later. Because the Bible says that whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Yeah, so it, it, somewhere down the line, it's going to show up. It's going to manifest itself based upon the decision that we made. Somebody said that we live 
with decisions you make, but the truth of the matter is, is that we live with the consequences. Yeah, we live with the consequences. Adam and Eve had to live with the consequences. David, when he sinned with Bathsheba, had to live with the consequences. Jonah, when he disobeyed God and got on a boat to go the other way than God told him to go. Understand, he had to deal with the consequences. And all of us, uh, I, I, I know can attest that we've had to deal with some consequences that we made. Yeah, and it didn't often feel too good. Because one thing I, I, but, but one thing I love about God, that even though we have to deal with consequences, he's right there with us. Yeah, he didn't just throw us to the wolves. That, that's what I love about God is that I can make the wrong decision. I, I, I can err in my ways, but I thank God for the grace and the mercy of God. Woo. Yeah, if it was not for the grace and mercy of God, uh, where, where, where would we be? Where, where would we be? Because we've made some decisions that could have cost us our lives. But God. <laughs> but God. Oh. Ah, so Adam and Eve they had to deal with it. So, so living with consequences of our decisions should teach us to become more responsible. They should. Because everything that happens in our lives, there's some point of time we ought to pause and analyze what took place. Why am I dealing with this? Yeah, what caused me to have to go through this? What decision that I made that was not in the will of God? Because I, I, I'm here to tell you that when we pause and analyze, it helps us when it comes to making the next decision. Because if we never find out where we error, we're going to continue to error. Mm. So what we have to be careful of is, is what we have to be careful, or we have to, we have to be careful of not of considering the long-term implications. I was talking to somebody the other day, and they were talking about something that was good in the moment. And then I asked them, would you rather have the immediate or the ultimate? Would you rather enjoy the immediate gratification, or would you rather enjoy the ultimate gratification? Yeah. Would you rather spend your money on that now? Yeah. Or would you rather save it for the ultimate? Uh, Y'all say, what, what? Would you rather, and how many of us have spent things now and wish that we'd have saved it for later? <laughs> So, so, so there is the immediate versus the ultimate, the, uh, the, the, the gratification now or the bigger picture down the road. Mm -hmm. Hmm. I could work that, really. Uh, but in our text this morning, in our text this morning, it, it's a very interesting text. It is written by the prophet Joel. Joel is considered the, uh, a, a minor prophet. Uh, but even though he's considered a minor prophet, there's nothing insignificant about his ministry or his message. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, nothing insignificant. Jo Joel is believed to have been written between uh, 835 and 796 B.C. 
God had made a promise to Judah. Judah had gone through some things. They had disobeyed God, but God was getting ready to bring his people out. Yeah, he, he was getting ready to restore them, and he was trying to instruct them to get them ready to receive the promise because that's what God does. I don't know if you've ever experienced it or not, but, but if God promises something and, and uh, he, he prepares us uh, in order to get to the promise that he has for us because like a loving father, he does not want us to squander the promise. Yeah, no good parent, no good parent, no good parent would just buy their child a, 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 an expensive car without preparing them. Preparing them. Matter of fact, when they first get their license, you, you're, you're preparing them. Uh, uh, I, I mean, you, you try them out on the, on the bike first. Yeah, y'all ain't going to help me. <laughs> yeah, you don't just give them the four wheels and, and say, here are the keys and go off. No, no, no. You, you, you're looking to see if they're going to be responsible. You're, you're looking to see that once they get that key, once they uh, uh, sit in the money that you spent, that you're going to make sure that they take care of. And that's what God does for us as believers. He prepares us for what he wants to do in, or what he's going to do in our lives. He prepares us. Yeah, and for some of us, I don't know who this is for, but God has promised to do some things in your life. And for some, uh, 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 understand it's going to happen before 2022 ends. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and for others, he's trying to receive, he's trying to get you prepared to receive what he wants to do in 23. Either way, he's preparing, he, he's making a way, he's trying to get you to the point that when the, the, the time comes for you to make the right decision, that you make the right decision. Yeah. Yeah, so he was preparing Judah, yeah, for what he was getting ready to do. And some of those in Judah thought that this was a joke. Yeah, they, 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 they thought that what God said he was going to do was impossible. Yeah. And even Judah's enemy failed to take Joel's prophecy seriously. Yeah, how many times have God promised us something, but yet we can't see it? Yeah. How many times have God promised us something, and maybe we've told somebody else, and they said, really? You really believe God's going to do that for you? I mean, there are skeptics, and if we're not careful uh, because we've been in a condition so long, we believe that it can't be changed. But God was trying to prepare Judah, trying to get them ready. Can I tell you uh, that, that now is not the time to doubt God? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now is not the time to doubt God. And whatever God has promised is nearer than it's ever been before. Uh, Y'all ain't going to help me. Uh, somebody. Yeah, it, it's nearer. It's nearer. The blessing is nearer. The, the breakthrough is nearer. The deliverance is nearer. The, the job is nearer. The reconciliation is nearer. It's nearer than it's ever been before. Yeah, it's nearer. Yeah. Have you ever been close to something only to blow it because of decisions that you made? I have. Yeah, and that's, that's a gut-wrenching thing, to be so close, 
but yet so far. I can imagine Moses. Yeah, thank you, Holy Spirit. Uh, I can imagine Moses. Moses never entered into the promised land. He, he, the Lord took him to the mountain and he was able to observe it, able to look into it, but he never laid hold to it. I mean, it's a shame to get to the edge and not get it. All because of a decision. He was saved, but he made the wrong decision. Yeah, made the wrong decision. Should have spoke to the rock. <laughs> yeah, instead of hitting the rock. It's amazing what people will make you do. Whew, I ain't even going there. <laughs> watch out, watch out. Yeah, watch out. Make the right decision. Don't let people drive you to do something that you're going to regret. Yeah, yeah. It's going to cause you to, 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 to fail to lay hold to what God has promised and destined for your life. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I, I don't want to miss what God has planned. Yeah. Do I have anybody else? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't want to miss. I, 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 don't, I, I made a, a enough wrong decisions. I, I, I've got enough regrets that, that now I'm old enough to know I don't want to miss because it may not come back around again. Uh, but note what God says in verses 9, 10, and 11. Note what he says. He says, proclaim this among the nations. Declare for holy war. Stir up the warriors. Have all the, the soldiers come forward. Have them come up. Beat your plowshares in the swords and your pruning hooks in the spears. Let the weak say, I, I, I'm a warrior. Hurry and come, all ye surrounding nations, and gather yourselves there. Bring down, Lord, your warriors. Uh, the first thing that God says is prepare for war. Yeah, God says that, that you're getting ready to enter into your promise, and I, I, I want to prepare you for it, but he says in the process of getting into the promise and laying hold to the promise, I need you to get ready for war. Yeah, see, because the truth of the matter is... <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that God has, the uh, uh, truth of the matter is that what God has promised you, don't think you're going to get it without some warfare. Yeah, yeah, you're going to get, there's going to be some warfare. There's going to be some resistance there. there there's going to be some resistance. First, uh, there's going to be some resistance internally. Yeah, internally. Yeah, yeah. So you got to, to make the decision that you want it. Yeah, because the first war starts inside of us. Yeah, yeah, the struggle to, to, to believe, the struggle to trust God, the struggle uh, to, to submit to his will, to, to let him have his way and plan and course in our lives. Yeah. So we got to make a decision that you wanted. And, and the decision uh, that reveal, it's revealed in our actions. Yeah. That it's our obedience to obey God. See, Judah had rebelled against God. 
They had rebelled uh, uh, against God before and, and, and they had forfeited or delayed. And that's what happens that when we disobey God, when we fail to, to, to obey him, that it will either forfeit or delay his promise in our lives. Yeah. So you, you could have got the breakthrough last year, but you didn't do what he asked. Yeah, you could have got the promotion last year, but, yeah, you, you didn't do what he asked. Yeah, you could have got the blessing. You could have already been enjoying it, but somewhere down the line, maybe you didn't do what he asked. Yeah, so there's, there's an internal war. There's an internal war, but not only is there an internal war, but how many know there's an external war? Yeah, there's an external war. Yeah, you, you, you're going to have to make a decision that you're going to fight. Yeah, because anything that God promised us, understand, it's just not going to come on a bed of roses. No, 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 no. I, I, I know we're looking for it to just show up. I, I know we're just, you know, calling it out and expecting it to wake up the next morning and there it is. But the truth of the matter is, is that, that, that there are going to be some resistance along the way. Yeah, there's, there's, because we have an adversary. Yeah, we've got an adversary that doesn't want us to lay hold to the promises of God. Right. He doesn't want God's uh, fulfillment to happen in our lives. So when he, he hears about this, because he's not omniscient, he doesn't know everything. So, so when he hears about this, understand that there's, there's a war, that there's a struggle that's going on. And it's not, yeah, it's not against anybody. Yeah, I, I, I know we get caught up in fighting people. Yeah, but, but, but it's not uh, people that we're fighting because the text says prepare for a holy war. Yeah, holy war. It didn't say roll up your sleeves. Prepare, prepare for something natural. No, no, no. We, we've all had those days. Hopefully we ain't fighting no more like that. <laughs> Uh, I, 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 had, I had enough of that. But, but now the, the, the fight is spiritual. Yeah, it's spiritual. And this is what Paul tells us in Ephesians 6 and 12. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. It, it's no longer a natural fight. But this thing is spiritual. Yeah, it's not people that doesn't want you to lay hold to the promises of God, but it's that devil. devil. It's our arch nemesis. Yeah, the one who the Bible says come to steal, kill, and to destroy. Yeah, he doesn't want you to enjoy what God has planned and purpose for your life. He doesn't want your marriage right. He, he doesn't want you married. He doesn't want you to enjoy a relationship. He, he doesn't want your finances prospering. He doesn't want your health good. He, he doesn't want you to have a good job. He doesn't want your children well. No, no. He, 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 he wants to raise havoc. He wants to bring destruction. Yeah, so this thing is spiritual. Yeah, Joel, speaking on behalf of the Lord, tells them to prepare for war. Prepare for war. Prepare for war. See, because the enemy understands that the right decisions brings you closer to your promise and it brings you closer to God. Yeah, right decisions bring us 
closer to God. I, I, I talked to you about Abraham. When Abraham made the decision to obey God, when God told him to, to go uh, to a place that he would tell him later on and, and, and offer up his uh, only son, the Bible said that he made a decision to go. He immediately responded to God. He made the right decision. Yeah, he made the, 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 the right decision. And then because uh, he had a personal, intimate relationship with God that he could hear God. He, he, he knew God. His relationship with God was close. So anytime that we make the right decision, it draws us that much closer to God. Yeah, your trust will increase. That when problems and situations come your way, you'll realize that there's nothing impossible for God. And the enemy doesn't want that. He doesn't want our faith increase. He doesn't want our trust increase in God. No, he wants us to doubt God. He wants us to resist God. He wants us to, 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 to not believe that God won't come through on our behalf. Uh, but not only does he say prepare for war, but look, look what else he says. He says stir up the warriors. He says, have all the, the soldiers come forward. Have them come up. Can I suggest to you this morning that God is calling, yeah, his church. He's calling for his church. You know, uh, the, the church that he tells uh, Peter and Matthew, uh, and upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Can I suggest to you this morning that God is calling his church? Mm, he's calling his church. He's, he's calling for an awakening. Two years we've been slumbering and sleeping. Two years we've been locked in the house. Two years we've been afraid to go out. Two years we've been afraid to talk to people. Two years we've been concerned about our own self. Can I suggest that God is trying to awaken his church for such a time as this? Uh, yeah, he's trying to awaken. Judah had gotten comfortable in their condition. And he says, wake up. He says, call those warriors. Wake up. And God is saying, wake up to the church. He's saying, wake up to us. Understand that, that there's yet uh, much to do in the kingdom. Yeah, much to do in your community. Much to do on your jobs. Much to do in your family. Yeah, we've, we've been so concerned about ourselves and our, our circumstances. We've been calling COVID more than we've been calling Jesus. Uh, uh, see, see, how many believers have gotten comfortable? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I can say a lot of them because look at the empty seat around you. Somebody's gotten comfortable. Yeah, but can I suggest to you that God did not save us to be comfortable? <laughs> now he saved you uh, uh, to be a comfort yeah he, he saved you to confront he saved you to convert he saved you to conquer he saved you to do something uh, so God is calling his people back into their rightful position yeah his church and you as an individual and the question is that will you make the right decision to do it? Because can I suggest to you this morning that your promise being fulfilled depends on the decision that you make. Yeah, that we think that God is going to do things for us, but we do nothing for him. 
Can I suggest to you this morning that there's such thing as reciprocity? Yes. <laughs> that there is an expectation for us doing something if we want to get something back from God. <laughs> uh, then he says, look what he says, my time. He says, beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears. In other words, use what you have as a weapon. He's trying to let us know that, that as believers, we have to make a decision to, to use what we have as a weapon in this warfare that we're in. I know we want God to give us something else. I, I, I know we want God to equip us some other way. But can I suggest to you the Bible says that he's already given us everything to life and godliness. Everything we need to be victorious. Everything we need in warfare. Everything we need to be overcome us. He's already given it to us. And he says, use it. He tells them to get those plowshares. Turn them into swords. Beat them to, to, to get sharp. Uh, <laughs> uh, he says, the pruning hooks into spears. Uh, I, I like what the Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians 10 and 14. He said, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God, through the pulling down of strongholds. As I was reading that, what stuck out to me was our warfare. The truth of the matter is, is that you got a warfare, I got a warfare. It may not be the same warfare, but the truth of the matter is, is that we're at war. We're at war. We got an enemy that, that comes to kill, steal, and destroy. We got an enemy that does not want us to prosper. We got an enemy that does not want us to be victorious. We got an enemy that wants us to back up, sit down, shut up. But I'm here to tell you that there's some point of time in life where we got to use what we have. Yeah, use what we have. Use what we have. The, the NSB says, for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh. Yeah, not of the flesh. Not of the flesh. Yeah, stop using that flesh. Put that flesh in subjection. Paul said, there's no good thing found in the flesh. When I went to do good, evil was also present with me. Uh, but the only way that we can keep that flesh in subjection is allow the spirit of God to have free course in our lives. Uh, he says, but divinely powerful for the destruction of of fortresses. Can I suggest to you that the enemy has built up fortresses? Yeah. In your life, in your family, in your family line, he's built up fortresses. And we can't bring it down in the flesh. <laughs> Uh, we can't bring it down by speaking our own mind. We can't bring it down by cussing and fighting. Uh, no, no. The only way we're going to bring it down is in the spirit. The uh, only way we're going to bring it down is get on our knees. The only way we're going to bring it down is to get in a relationship with God. The only way we're going to bring it down, glory to God, is use what God has given us. Yeah, what has God given us? Glad you asked. First thing he's given us is the word of God as a weapon. I mean, Ephesians 6 and 17 said the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. It's a sword. <laughs> uh, 
not my word, but his word. <laughs> Stop using your word. Because your word can't cut like his word. His word is powerful, sharper than in a two-edged sword, cutting to the morrow. Uh, It'll divide something. It'll divide the soul and spirit, the marrow and the bone. Uh, His word is sharp. It'll do the work uh, that our word can't do. Oh, my God. That's why we got to know the word. That's why we got to come to the enemy with the word. Uh, When Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, he didn't use no riddle. No, he used the word. He used the word. Man shall live. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. The way we're going to be victorious, the way we're going to overcome, is use the word of God. The word of God. The word of God. Uh, I got to go. There's something about the word. I I can really stay there. there. There's something about the word. Uh, When sickness comes, there's something about the word. Uh, by stripes, uh, yeah, I'm already healed. Yeah, you got to use the word. I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. You got to use the word. When the enemy comes, you got to use The only thing that's going to make him retreat is the word. The word, the word. Yeah, you want him out of your marriage? Use the word. How uh, what God has joined together, let no man put asunder. Uh, use the word. Uh, use the word of God. Don't go to bed angry. Uh, no, use the word. Use the word. You want your finances up? Use the word of God. Uh, woo, my God. My something about the word. You want them to get out? Get out. Use the word. Uh, the old folks used to go through the house and plead the blood. Plead the blood. Stop speaking the word over your house. Glory to God. Those children start laying hands and speaking the word over your children. Glory to God. They they disobedient. They unruly use the word. (laughs) Something about the word. I got to go. I got to go. The other thing is, he said, use what you have. What do you have? Testimony is your weapon. Testimony. Yeah, Revelation 12 and 11 says, and they overcame him because of the blood of the lamb and because of the word of their testimony. Him who? Uh, him who? The devil. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the one that doesn't want you to overcome, doesn't want you to succeed. He, he, he said, use your testimony. Uh, every now and then, you got to go back. Every now and then, you got to reach back for something that God has done for you in your life. Glory to God. You got to reach. That, that's what's wrong. We're, we're not reaching back far enough. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Ooh, I could go there. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. We, we, we can't forget what God has done. Can't forget uh, that he delivered you five years ago, ten years ago. It was him that brought you out. It was him that made the way. It was him that healed your body. It was him that got you all drunk. You stood up and testified uh, about how he delivered your child, how he delivered you. You told it. And that's the same thing you got to reach back for today when you can't see your way. Grab your testimony. Uh, grab your testimony what the world needs is somebody willing to share their testimony see because all 
Matter of fact, none of us came out of the womb speaking in tongue. None of us came out of the womb so holy and righteous. Now, all of us, yeah, who were born in sin, shackled iniquity. All of us are at something. All of us done done some things. All of us. But we need to let the world know that the same God that delivered us is the same God that can deliver them. Let them know that he can bring them off drugs. He can bring them out of fornication. He can bring them out of adultery. He can bless them beyond their wildest dreams. Only he can do it. Gotta go, gotta go. Worship is your weapon. And see, you gotta make a decision uh, to worship. You gotta make a decision to use the word. You gotta make a decision to testify. You gotta make a decision to, 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 to worship God even though you can't see your way out. And see, the problem is, is we want to worship God when we get out. Mm -hmm. But the way to get out is to worship God when you're in. <laughs> I wish I had a witness in here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had to come in when things are bad, but letting the devil know I'm still going to raise my hands. I'm still going to say hallelujah. I'm still going to say thank you, Jesus. I'm still going to give God a shout. I'm still going to magnify his name. Glory to God. Uh, uh, letting the devil know that whatever he bring your way, yeah, yeah, I'm still going to praise God. I'm still going to glorify him. I like what the psalmist said in Psalms 41 and 1. He says, oh, clap your hands. All you people, shout to God with a voice of triumph. Uh, let's work that a little bit. One, one of the Hebrew words for clap is, is, is uh, taka, taka, T-A-Q-A. -A. Uh, and it means to thrust or drive a weapon to give a burst or a blow. And this word is repeatedly used in the Old Testament. Uh, it's used to describe a thrusting of the sword in battle. Which means that every time we make a decision to worship God, we're thrusting a sword in battle against the enemy. Huh? We're letting the enemy know that I'm not going to stay silent. I, I, I'm not going to retreat. But I got my weapon in hand and everything you bring my way, I'm going to use it to cut. Oh, I wish I had somebody in here. Glory to God that you just want to give the enemy a blow. Uh, you just want to let him know, glory to God, that though he come one way, yeah, he going to flee seven ways. That though he bring uh, uh, trouble, glory to God, that he's going to have to take that trouble back. Uh, because I'm not going to stand still, but I'm, I'm going to fight. Uh, I, I'm going to swing. Uh, I'm going to let the devil know, glory to God, that I'm not no coward soldier. No, no, that I am a warrior in the house of God. I got to go, I got to go. And when Joseph, <laughs> uh, he says praise is a weapon. It's a weapon. Uh, praise is a weapon. When, when, when Jehoshaphat, I'll take it. <laughs> when Jehoshaphat, yeah, you, you know he was in battle. Yeah, he, he was going up against odds. The odds were against him. And, 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 and God tells him, the first thing that God tells him, he doesn't tell him, to get the warriors he doesn't tell them to get the fighters uh, but he says I, I want you to put the praisers out front 
Oh, yeah. I, I want you to put the praises out front. Because there's something about putting the praise out front. Glory to God, that'll fight your battle. Uh, so what did Jehoshaphat do? He did what God told him to do. He put the warriors, uh, uh, he put the praisers out front. And every time the praisers go up, understand something has to scatter. The enemy has to retreat. That's why God, the enemy is after our praise. That's why he's trying to rob us of our praise. That's why he wants us to come and sit down in the house of God. He wants us to look at our problem and circumstance as God is not doing anything. Want us to contemplate on what the news say. How much trouble is going on. How inflation. How high the gas is. How, how, how many people are getting shot. But the devil is a lie. I don't care what's going on. I'm still going to praise him. I'm still going to glorify him. I'm still going to magnify his name. Why? Because he's worthy. Glory to God. I'm not going to let no rock cry out for me. But I'm going to give God the praise that is due his name. I wish I had somebody in here that want to praise God for what he's done in your life. I wish I had somebody in here that even though your back is up against the wall, you're going to let the devil know that the way I'm going to get out of here, I'm going to praise my way out. I'm going to pray. Yeah, 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 yeah. I hear you. I hear you. Yeah, yeah, that's what Paul and Silas did. They were locked in prison. They they could have been mourning. They, they, they could have been crying. But the Bible says that they praised God and about midnight uh, about midnight when it seemed like nothing's going to change I don't know who I'm talking to but you might be in a midnight hour it might seem dark in your problem dark in your situation I'm here to tell you that all you need to do is praise God all you need to do is throw up your hands all you need to do is throw your head back all you need to do is glorify God and tell him thank you somebody ought to tell him thank you somebody ought to magnify his name hallelujah don't let the praise don't let that worration stop your praise don't let that enemy stop your praise don't let that problem stop your praise don't let your financial problem stop your praise don't let that body ailment stop your praise you ought to give him praise a praise is comely for the upright it's comely for the upright it's something about praise that get God's attention the Bible says that he inhabits the praises of his people he inhabits he come right in there and sit down in your problem I wish I had somebody in here that you want God to sit down in your problem you want him to sit down in that situation sit down in that ailment sit down in that financial problem sit down in that child situation you want him to sit down in that job problem glory to God and when he sit down in there I'm here to tell you can't nothing there sit down in there but God that means that God has to bring about a change everywhere he comes change happens wherever he walks in change happens Wherever he goes, glory to God, the enemy had to scatter. I wish I had somebody that would just praise God right where you are. Praise him in the midnight. Praise him in the trouble. Praise him in the chaos. Praise him. Let the devil know that uh, even though I'm going through, I'm yet going to praise God. Do I have anybody in here that want to praise God? Want to magnify his name? Want to glorify him in your midnight? Because he's worthy.
what you have.
trying to get them ready in position to restore them to change their life to usher them out and into his promise that's what God is getting his people ready for he's trying to usher us out and into something new something fresh trying to get us back into position back into alignment so he can do what he wants to do in our lives he says let the weak say I am a warrior I'm a warrior Not anybody else saying it, but he says, let the weak say. Let the weak say. You have the power to declare who you are. They sung it, actually. Who you are. That the problem doesn't dictate who you are people don't dictate who you are you as long as you see yourself as weak you're going to be weak but he says let the weak say I'm strong one text one translate I'm strong I'm strong I can endure this I can overcome this It's not going to take me out. The devil is alive. And then he, I, I love what he said. He says, hurry and come. All you surrounding nations and gather yourselves there. Bring down, Lord, your warriors. He says, hurry. Can I suggest that now is not the time to procrastinate. He says, hurry and come. Hurry and come. Hurry and come. Hurry and get back in line. Hurry. Get in my wheel. Hurry, get in my way. Hurry, get in my word. Get in my presence. Hurry, get 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 in the church. Hurry. Because I want to do something. I want to do something that eyes have not seen. Ears have not heard. Neither have it entered into the heart of man. He says hurry because I want to do it quickly. I want all to behold. What I'm getting ready to do. He says it's going to do it in a hurry because we're, we're two years behind. Going to do it in a hurry. That's why we got to get in position, get in his wheel, in his way. That's why decisions are critical in this moment. If you're not saved, you need to get saved. If you're playing, you need to stop playing. 
need to get in his will. Because what God is going to do next in your life is going to be determined by the right decisions that you make. Maybe there's somebody up under the sound of my voice today that you don't have that personal relationship with the Lord. Come on, rest on your feet. God, God, God is trying to get you in position. Get you in position. Maybe there's somebody, you, you, you don't have a local assembly. God is trying to get you in position. Maybe you've been dealing with something in your life that you've been trying to overcome. God is trying to get you in position. So he can bring you into your promise. If that's you, would you come this morning to make your way to the altar this morning? Would you come? Would you come? Would you come? What he does next is going to be determined by your decision. Not anybody else. We're quick to blame, put the blame on everybody else. But the responsibility lies in our hands.